Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reckless speculation. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write that down. I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. Write that down. Are you guys feeling the pressure? Are you feeling the pressure? Yeah. What pressure? I'm just feeling my batting average still not be great. <laughs> still not be great. Yeah. Still not be great. I'm That's feeling the pressure trying to find bad. my an understatement. Trying to find my glasses to hey, read right there. Batting down. average Awful. next season is going to be great. Yeah, you'll start off with with a hit because you nailed the Urban Meyer one. Yep. Uh, but First if day of the year. if you're new to the segment, Mackie and Judd here, uh, say Rosenfels in about ten or fifteen minutes. It's called Write That Down. And we do an accountability session leading into it where we keep track of each other's predictions throughout the year. It's a year-long batting title race. And boy, is it a slog. I feel like the Write That Down League has sort of morphed Major League Baseball where all we care about are home runs and doubles. And batting average doesn't matter anymore. I figured it out. Our season's too long. You think we need a first-half champ and a second-half champ? Yes, I think we need... Uh, you, we, <laughs> we, have, grind? we have the same problem soccer has. Our season's entirely too long. <laughs> they just start just in February, MLS. they end in yes. January. Yes. We should call it in, like, October and then take a nice break. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Well, here's what came off the board this last week. And mind you, today is the 14th. We have the 21st. And then the twenty eighth. Although I'm out of town the week, so I'm going to be I'm going to be resting my batting average. Uh, next Friday will be my last time predicting in in 2018. Yeah, me too. And you too, because you're going to be off that week. So uh, now, you guys, it's up to you if you want to do the if if we're gone and you guys want to do write that down on the twenty eighth to try and get uh, a bunt single. But as of right now, here's the accountability session where we stand. I predicted the Wolves would run the table on the West Coast road trip. <laughs> And that the Vikings would run the table starting with the Seahawks game in the regular season. Judd predicted the Vikings would lose to the Patriots but beat the Seahawks. Jonathan predicted Harper and Machado would both agree to terms with new teams or teams by December 10th. And uh, Hitless on the Year Manny predicted the Vikings would finish 10 5 1 and win the division. No chance. Not mathematically possible. Nope. They could still mathematically win the division, but they can't that mathematically finish 10 by 1. And that the Wolves would finish with three wins out of four on the West Coast road trip. Carnage across the board. <laughs> what do we got now, coach? I still lead the batting title race. What are you, 262? 
254. Oh, oh it's Yaz. It's Yaz and the Triple Crown all You're over again. Byron Buxton territory there. Oh, they're going to have to they're going to have to do something about the mound at this rate. You're hitting 252. So the batting Tyler oh, race. Yeah. I'm coming at you. <laughs> uh, I'm slugging 454 and you're slugging 466. So we're we're neck and neck in both these categories. All right. Uh, let's see here. The 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 guest predictors, which Jonathan is representing, that bin batting two hundred, but slugging six sixty seven because when they connect, yeah. it's very Adam Dunlike. <laughs> uh, the listeners are batting two thirty two and slugging four thirty five. Manny is over so far. Yeah, over the season. Mm-hmm. You got three weeks to put one on the board here. It's got to be a prediction that comes true in the calendar year two thousand eighteen or for a regular season. 2018. So you could make a regular season NFL prediction, and even if the regular season, I, I haven't looked at the dates, but if it seeps into January, it, it counts as a 2018 regular season prediction. So okay, just to give you a, a lay of the land. What was I, I at batting average wise at one time? You were over 300 for sure. You were like hitting 400 right. the first three months of the year. Here's what happened. I was doing fine, and then I tried to drop weight to get in better shape, <laughs> and I changed my write that down style. <laughs> And Coach Prefer told me not to do it, but I, I ignored him. And since then, it's been downhill. <laughs> that damn Coach Prefer. And I didn't lose weight either, so this has really been a debacle. Write that down. I, I don't have a pencil. Well, remember that then. All right, three predictions each. We'll go around the room. We'll, as usual, we'll start with Judd, leadoff man. <sighs> Miguel Sano will hit 25 or more home runs for the Twins this season. Miguel Sano will bounce back. And we'll hit 25 or more. So I'm not locking myself into 25, but 25 yeah. is the starting point. I feel like if he just plays all year, he'll run into 25 fast. Well, you know what? He didn't do that last year. Yeah. Uh, interesting strategy. You're behind in the batting average race, and you're, and you're pushing predictions into 2019. Yeah. You're, you're waiting for me to falter. Oh, yeah, like. you're coming right back to me. Yeah, you're, no, you're just going to fall right below me. Yeah, no, I've no, no, this is not about me. This is about your free fall. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right. Uh, I, I feel like write that down has gotten into Manny's head here at this point. In the, at least yeah, the 2018. It's, it's all mental right now, yeah. man. It's all mental. <laughs> all right, well, let's see what you got. I'm totally Daniel Carlson. And we Come on, Byron Buxton. Come on, Buxton. Come on, no it's pressure. Bad. Here comes a breaking ball. You just need to go on, like, go on a different show or go, go on, make some predictions on Raised by Wolves. Maybe they can help you mechanically with your predictions and all right. see what happens. I got one for you guys. Um,. And it, it, this hit me after watching highlights from last night's uh, Chargers-Chiefs game. The Los Angeles Chargers of Carson, California, uh, will win the AFC West. And that will be decided by the end of this year because yep. Week 17 is uh, December 30th. So it yep. will be within this calendar year. Okay. So write that down. Okay. The Chargers write this down. The write AFC it down. West. You like writing things down. Over to Jonathan. I'll go off our topic from the first hour. The Wild. I'm making a Wild prediction here because apparently I'm on a roll with talking about the Wild and Koivu. The Wild, once Miko Koivu will, will return, will get shut out in his first game back. <laughs> I'm, I'm so proud of you right now. I'm tearing up. I can't even talk. I'm so choked up. I saw Judd uh, back and forth with our guy Paul on Twitter talking about the, how the lines, you, know, you don't want to you don't want to deconstruct the lines when Miko Koivu comes back, even though every third week in hockey, lines get deconstructed. On Twitter? Anyways. That's the main subject of what I wrote at 1500ESPN.com last nice. night. Nice. Whole write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, write this down. I'm going to go Twins prediction into next year, too. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit on my 254 batting average here. <laughs> Everyone's sitting out the last day of the season. What? How many wins did the Twins have this year? 78, right? 78. Yep. The Twins will win 88 games or more. The Twins will have a 10 win improvement or more in 2019. Wow. 88 wins or more. Which I don't think that would have put them in the playoffs last year. Yeah, no, it wouldn't have because the Rays won 90 and didn't get in. Yeah. So it kind of depends on the year. But I got the Twins 88 wins or more next year. Write it down. You like writing things down. Uh, back to Judd. Uh, th- this also likely will be pushed into next year, but Kevin Stefanski will be named the Vikings' permanent offensive coordinator and have the interim tag removed. Okay, he'll do a good enough job. And actually, I think, I think e- even if he doesn't do a great job, Zim's going to say, "I don't want to go through the <laughs> process look, yeah. ever again of trying to find an outside guy." So Stefanski's going to get the permanent offensive co- coordinator job for the Vikings. Yeah, really, I mean, if if it's Which just not a disaster at this point, if it's just three games where they score twenty points once in a while, he's going to. If get you the feel job. like you can trust him and he does what you want him to do, yeah, hire him. And why, like to what you just said, why would you want to waste a bunch of time going through a search and a bunch of interviews? I highly doubt that he wants to do that. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Okay, Manny. Uh, Joe Kim Noah recently uh, in the media discussed why you know he was basically a non-factor on the court while playing for the New York Knicks and making $17 million a year because he was partying too much. And now uh, Joe Kim says that being in Memphis now with the Grizzlies, has he's, he's not partying as much, basically. Joe Kim Noah, write this down, will retire at the end of the 2018-2019 NBA season. Okay. Partially because nobody's going to want to pick him up. Anyway, I can't imagine after the season's over. So, so he'll uh, he'll retire to a life of partying is yes. what's going to happen. Yes. Okay. Write it down. You like writing things down. Write that down. Jonathan. Phil, I know you're annoyed with him, and we've, we've had the clip. Uh, we talked about the clip from him earlier this week. Byron Buxton will hit over 250 this season with 20 or more home runs. Do you care to specify which, which league? Nope. The, the International League or the Major Leagues? I'll, I'll go Major Leagues. So he'll hit 250 with, with at least 20 home runs. Yes. Okay. Okay. Could be a Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. (laughs) For the Marlins, perhaps. Uh, A heck of a Marlin. Jonathan, I'm going to actually divert from my previously scheduled (laughs) prediction. Here we go. (laughs) Write this down. I agree with Jonathan. I am handcuffing myself to Jonathan's prediction that Byron Buxton will hit at least 250 with 20 home runs in the major leagues in 2019. I'm going to handcuff myself to that prediction. Wow. I like it. Write it down. You like writing things down. So Bring we, it on, baby. We missed a prediction, though, then, right? Because you, you said that, that, that you had one that you're not going to yeah, give I'll, us no, now? I'll say, I'll, I'll, okay, we'll I'll get say, it. Yep. Okay, all right. No, all I mean, right. it's not. It was it was a all 2019 right. prediction. I'll put I know, it in my I'm bag. glad you guys are <laughs> hopeful. He, Byron's pissed. It's going to work out really great. Back to Judd. <clears throat> While Kevin Stefanski will be named the Vikings' permanent offensive coordinator... The Vikings will make a change at special teams coordinator after the season. Finally, huh? Mike Prefer, I've I've been saying it for like three weeks, so and I, I look back, I didn't predict it yet. Mike Prefer will be fired. Okay. They will have a new special so teams. So he'll be he'll be he'll Mike Prefer will be, be fired, fired. Be, like before next season. Yes. Okay. Mike Prefer, yes. I'm not, I don't want to I don't want to put you in a situation Mike where Prefer you predict be, after the season and on a technicality. I just want to Okay, Mike Prefer will be the special teams coordinator through the end of this season and then after the season at some point he, he'll be fired. So when training camp opens next year, they'll have a new one. Okay. Write that down. I, I don't have a, and Blair I remember Walsh. that. Down. And Blair Walsh will, will be back and really, really fat. <laughs> they should hire Blair Walsh to be the special teams coordinator. I feel so much better now that I got fat. <laughs> back to Manny. <laughs> Looks like Seabass. Uh, 
Write this down. So Adam Thielen currently has 103 catches leading the Minnesota Vikings. He should have leaders. way more, by the way. He, yeah, should, he, should. he should have like 130 catches right now. Uh, Stephon Diggs is second on the team with 88 receptions. Write this down. Stephon Diggs will also get to 100 catches. I love Manny. Manny is just dropping bunts down now. <laughs> totally. Totally. I don't bl- you know what? I can't blame him. Did I see a stat that Diggs does not have a drop all season long? I saw somebody tweeted that stat. Interesting. He has not dropped a ball. That's amazing. That's remarkable. Yes. You, you could make a case that he's the best wide receiver. I, I think a lot of people would say Thielen if you look at the numbers of the last three years. But mm-hmm. but Stefan Diggs, maybe it's because he's been injured and he misses games and the numbers aren't quite what Thielen's are. Write this down. Write it down. You like writing things down. Oops, Jonathan. All right. The Vikings have a new offensive coordinator who's clearly stated that he wants to go with Mike Zimmer's vision of running the ball, being safe. The Vikings have only come close to this mark once this season when they rushed for 195 yards against the Cardinals. The Miami Dolphins have given up 200 yards rushing once all season. They are going to do it for a second time this Sunday as the Vikings will rush for over 200 yards. Wow. So they're really so so basically Mike Zimmer's edict to Kevin Stefanski yep. is we will not throw a pass. <laughs> only on yes. only on third and fifteen and Dalvin or more. Cook will have a we will game. run the triple option. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Georgia ball. Tech. Yeah. <laughs> Navy. It's gonna be Navy versus Army. Write it down. You like writing things down. And final prediction of the week. I'm gonna say three hundred fifty million dollars or more for Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper's going to sign a $350 million contract or more. You willing to stay what team? Up the ante a little bit. With the Phillies. Ooh. Okay. With the Phillies. I think it might be the White Sox. That'd be a triple? Did you realize? I'm I'm verbally committed to this. I already said it. I heard this last night that the White Sox right now have $30 million tied up in payroll right now. That's it. Really, and that, wow. and they, that all, they almost always Bryce have terrible Harper's contracts on the that, and that that makes them a viable option to pursue Harper and Machado. Huh? What if they get them both? That's what. That's basically the they could. That would be. They've got enough so to do it. Stupid to gamble on two ten-year contracts. You'd be that. shocked. I'd gamble on one of those contracts, probably not both. But the White Sox are always a splashy team in the offseason, mm-hmm. and then it blows up in their face. They win the offseason. Remember when they won They won the offseason one year a few years ago, and they had banners up all over downtown Chicago that said, we're all in, yes. and they lost 100 games. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't say how. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to come back. Sage Rosenfels is a little bonus Sage. We had him on earlier this week when, when the Vikings fired John Filippo, but he has a lot of great insight. We talked to him earlier today. And uh, and he's got some great insight on the Vikings and a comparable to a team that he played on in his past. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studio. 62 eastbound near Edina. We've got a 13-minute delay, and that's because of a crash uh, between Tracy Avenue and Highway 100. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Also, southbound 35E uh, near Lilydale, we've got a uh, seven-minute delay. That's because of a crash between Randolph and Highway 5. So be on the lookout for that. Mackie and Judd rolls on. And uh, earlier today, we had a chance to catch up with Sage Rosenfels and uh, talked a lot of football, a lot of things about the Vikings. Uh, but first, we asked him about uh, a little workout that he had today. Little uh, like straight cardio or or pumping iron or what was the combo? Just 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 go like whatever's machine next to me. Do that one <laughs> and then do something else. 
before my heart rate comes down and I, you know, and, and put my headphones on and refuse to talk to people. That's, yeah. Oh, I like that one the most. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever you sort of have to do. That, do you, that's why the, that's why the other workouts end up being an hour and a half. Do you ever just stare at other people next to you on cardio equipment? Just like st- stare them down while you're running full speed? Uh, no, that's weird. Because <laughs> I don't do that at all, ever. I don't know what you guys are talking no, about. No, no, no. Um, so, Sage Rosenfels, let's, uh, let's throw the same question at Sage that I, that I uh, threw at you guys yesterday. Or I guess I'll throw him my hot take from yesterday. And that I still think, I still think the Vikings can win the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that it's likely or that they're the favorite, but I think when we, when we look at their peak defensive performances, which we've seen against Seattle and against Aaron Rodgers, and when we see what they are capable of doing with their weapons on offense, if they were to ever put those things together for a month, then they'd be in that category. Am I a, a lunatic for saying that? Um, I don't think it's possible. I, I think that the O-line is just not good enough. Uh, I think Cousins is not consistent enough to go on a you know what's going to have to be a four-game stretch, um, really a seven-game stretch, but you know, let's, let's say they make the playoffs a four-game stretch to play at that high a level. Uh, there have been some really good defensive battles in the Super Bowl over the years that their offenses weren't very good, um, but I just don't think this defense is that great uh, and can consistently be that great for four games in a row against other really good football teams. Now, Sage, I did tell Phil where I think he might be right is this, because the, the teams below the Vikings are struggling so badly. I, I think that the Vikings are going to make the playoffs. I did tell Phil, I think that there's a chance if they play the Bears in Chicago that they could go in there and surprise them, play great defense. Trubisky melts down a bit. And Cousins, if he's used correctly, could be fine. Now, now the entire stretch of a playoff run to the Super Bowl would be very, very difficult. But it would not shock me if starting on uh, Sunday against the Dolphins with Stefanski now in charge of this offense – if the combination of things gets them into the playoffs and then gets them a playoff win? Well, you know, this has happened before. Let's look at, I believe it's 2012, uh, Baltimore Ravens, really good defense, a quarterback that's immobile with a big arm, uh, with some playmakers. They fired their offensive coordinator. Uh, I, I believe it was Marty Morningway, but I'm not positive. Jim Caldwell comes in. They win the Super Bowl. And, you know, they were they snuck into the playoffs and, and you know, teams have done that. The Giants did that a couple of times where you sneak in the playoffs and your quarterback gets hot, things go right and they bounce your way and you end up winning the thing. So yeah, I do it is possible. Uh, it just doesn't feel like, you know, cousins can get streaky like that versus really good teams. He gets streaky and throws up huge numbers against bad or average teams but not against really good teams on the road uh, in prime time. I have not seen that. So they would have to do something, and he would have to do something, and the O-line would have to do something that we simply haven't seen. And the best way to predict the future uh, is by going off the path. So, Sage, what's the best way for Kevin Stefanski to get the most out of Kirk Cousins that maybe John Filippo wasn't able to do? So I, I think if you read, and I, and I wasn't obviously at his press conference yesterday, but I read uh, all the excerpts from it, his quotes, and if you read what he said, I think he uses the phrase complimentary football at least two, if not three times. And I think what he means there is uh, you know, getting the most out of Kirk Cousins is also 
getting the least bad out of Kirk Cousins. And I think that's what he means. Minimize our mistakes. You know, stay in these games, play it close to the vest, uh, you know, take your shots occasionally, but let's minimize our exposure uh, to, you know, catastrophe type plays, which, you know, continue to sort of hurt this team. It just seems like every couple of games there's one of those plays, and they're almost always on some sort of drop back pass play, second long, third long. So my guess is this offense, uh, and I'm, you know, listen, Kevin Stefanski's got three games here. I'm sure he'd love to put up, you know, 450 yards a game and air it out. And man, look at the difference this, this, this new coach made. But at the end of the day, his job is to help this team win football games. And right now winning football games is not by throwing the ball around a ton and trying to, you know, outscore the, the other team in some sort of fast paced game. It's grinded out football go it to what they did last year, you know, do the things that Kirk Cousins does well, which to me is getting the football out, moving the pocket so he's not in the pocket where the trouble occurs, and really minimizing those mistakes. Uh, Sage, Mike Zimmer had a really interesting telling quote uh, the other day. I think it was yesterday or I guess Wednesday it would have been about uh, how, how he thinks Kirk Cousins is going to feel like he can offer a little more input in some of the meetings with Kevin Stefanski compared to John Filippo. In your experience, what type of input and what type of relationship and communication should there be between a quarterback and an offensive coordinator for it to work well? Well, you know, little, little uh, statements like that, you know, they, they really sort of, you know, you know open up my curiosity to what's been going on around there. And, you know, I have yet to be around uh, a, a great quarterback who didn't have, you know, such an open communication uh, with their coordinator, with their quarterback coach, with the play caller. You know, I, I haven't seen it where a quarterback's been great and that hasn't been, you know, completely on the same page. If you don't think Drew Brees and Sean Payton, you know, have every third and one, third and two, third and seven, you know, all those play calls mapped out uh, ahead of time. And, you know, Drew doesn't know what's the first third and sixth call that comes into the game. You're crazy. They do. They are on exactly the same page. And they, I'm sure, come to an agreement. You know, this is when you practice Wednesday, you practice Thursday, you have that practice on Friday, and you come to this, you know, sort of agreement. Usually it's Saturday morning. You go through pretty much the whole game plan. You definitely go through those third downs. And a lot of times you mark them. Hey, this is my favorite one. This is my two. This is my three. This is my four. Now let's move on to the other category. And you sort of rank them. There's no point in an offensive coordinator calling plays that the quarterback just doesn't like. And, you know, listen, you know, Kirk Cousins has been through thousands and thousands of reps and OTAs and training camp and practice and games. There's plays he likes and there's plays he doesn't like. Brett Favre hated the square out, the 12-yard square out. He absolutely hated that because he had been scarred so many times in his life <laughs> by putting the ball, you know, a half a yard behind a wide receiver, and it's a pick six the other way. It's like all or nothing. He that would be the last play he'd have on his list of you know one through five on the third and eight you know type of plays. He did not like that play. So you know you want to be a play caller that you feel confident that the quarterback feels confident in what's called. You know, how he knows he can go through all the reads and he can get that completion. He doesn't have to think. He can just react. You want to have your, your quarterback extremely comfortable. Now, it doesn't mean the quarterback gets to call the, the game plan by any means. But, yeah, he should definitely have a say on what he feels comfortable with uh, and what, you know, what, what plays he likes the best. So, Sage, to back up here to, uh, to when Flip was brought in and, and then Kirk was signed, too, 
I guess my curiosity about uh, Zimmer and Spielman was how did they land on this guy? Because I would think that if you know that, that you're going to go all in on a quarterback like Cousins, that the goal would be to get a coordinator who you know definitely, definitively can work with that guy, can do all, all the things that, that you just talked about. So how much blame do you think there is to go around here about the fact that with three games left, they're firing him and basically, uh, if not coming out and saying it, insinuating that the problem was the coordinator didn't listen to perhaps the most important people in orchestrating what could have been a successful offense? Well, first, let's go back and look at the timeline. I My assumption is that the coordinator was hired first, probably right after the Super Bowl. And then Kirk Cousins came, you know, a couple of weeks after that. So that would be my assumption early March. So the coordinator was hired first. Uh, you know, a couple of things with hiring coaches, by the way. A lot of times there's not great coaches out there because if they are a great coach, they're already coaching for somebody else and they're under contract and they got an extension or they got promoted. So you have to go out and try to find somebody who is possibly a, you know, a lot of times a quarterback's coach or maybe a, an O-line coach or something to become your coordinator from somewhere else or a fired offensive coordinator, you know, from another football team. And so they went out and got a guy who had just won the Super Bowl as a quarterback's coach. The natural step up is to obviously be the coordinator. The quarterbacks played unbelievably last year where you're talking about Carson Wentz uh, or Nick Foles in Philadelphia. They both played great football. You know, and because of that, yeah, the quarterback's coach gets some of that credit. That's just sort of the way it goes. But, you know, listen, hiring, you know, uh, offensive coordinators, defensive coordinators, you, you know, you try to go off the numbers, you try to go off the interview, you try to go off of, uh, you know, talking to people that have worked with that person in the past. But sometimes it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag like drafting quarterbacks in the first round. Sometimes you hit, sometimes you miss. And uh, I tell you, it's, it's a, I'm sure, very humbling for, you know, Mike Zimmer, who's been around the game a long time, uh, and I think it's a tremendous football coach, uh, but to swing and to miss. And, and both him and Rick obviously missed in this situation. And, uh, and it didn't work out. And, you know, in my opinion, you know, credit for them to, to, you know, sort of cut and bait now and moving on while they have a chance, giving Kevin a shot. Uh, and let's see if they can, you know, do something with these last three games. And it's, it's hard to do that because it creates a lot of turmoil in the middle of the season. But my guess is they did that knowing that, not only were all the, probably a lot of the other coaches on board, my guess is a lot of the players were on board as well. So they probably felt pretty good about making that decision with three three games left. Sage Rosenfels here, uh, Mackie and Judd, and, and Vikings and Dolphins this weekend, a clash of two former Sage Rosenfels teams. And I know you had an anecdote in your article on The Athletic about how these Vikings remind you a little bit about the early 2000s Dolphins. How is that? Well, so, by the way, it was really fun. A couple of days ago, I did an interview with Joe Rose uh, down in Miami. He's had the radio station down there uh, for a long, long time, you know, the number one slot, and he was a tight end for the Dolphins. So he's been around, you know, that organization, that football team forever. So obviously he was working there uh, when I was playing there 2002 to 2005, my four seasons, under Dave Wanstead, head coach. You know, Jimmy Johnson had left a couple of years earlier. Uh, and Rick Spielman was the, uh, you know, was the uh, general manager. So, uh, you know, in, on that football team, unbelievable defense, right? We had Jason Taylor, uh, who's sort of a Daniil Hunter. We had linebackers like Zach Thomas, uh, you know, who, who could run and make a lot of tackles. You know, we have one of those on the Vikings, too. Uh, you know, they had Junior Seau, uh, you know, he's probably sort of like an Anthony Barr because he was older, but a guy who could run and do a lot of things and rush the passer. We had awesome quarterbacks, man-to-man quarterbacks, Sam Madison, Pat Sertan. We had a safety, Brock Marion, who was a stud. 
man, that reminds me like a lot of the guys on this Vikings defense. So in my opinion, it just sort of seems like to me, man, you know, people have issues with, with, uh, you know, Rick Spielman, uh, you know, listen, is he the best GM in the league? I don't know, but I do know this wherever he has been, he has done a really good job of drafting defensive players, a really good job of drafting defensive players, great athletes, uh, you know, explosive guys. But he also has struggled in particular at, at the quarterback position. You know, when I was Miami, uh, and by the way, he wasn't in charge of all of those decisions when I was down there, I don't believe. I, I think that Dave Wanstead had a lot more control than he did, than Nick Saban had the control after that for Rick's sort of final year there. But, you know, there's always sort of struggle with that quarterback position, whether it was Jay Fiedler and Brian Greasy and Ray Lucas and, you know, got me, A.J. Feely, uh, you know, sort of on and on, and then up to Minnesota where, you know, he's been through a lot of guys up there from, you know, trading for a, a couple of guys early on and you know, obviously the Tavares Jackson, but anyway, I know that wasn't, that was Brad Childers, but, you know, they've had issues trying to find that guy in Minnesota as well. So it just sort of, I sort of come to this, you know, conclusion, I guess that, man, you know, you can, you can give Rick a hard time and that's fine, but he does a tremendous job of drafting defensive players. He just seems to miss on the quarterback position. And listen, a lot of guys, a lot of teams, you know, miss on the quarterback position, you know, legendary franchises who have been doing it a long time, you know, quarterback gurus, you know, coordinators and head coaches who, you know, Gary Kubiak thought he could have turned around David Carr and make him into a, a really good play. He, he realized that really quick. He could not do that, right? So people do miss. It just does seem like Rick has missed at the quarterback position more than anything else, but I give him huge kudos for all the hits he's had on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Uh, if you want to read more uh, from Sage, The Athletic is a great place to find thousand-word uh, insights from Sage Rosenfels and the Purple Podcast a couple times a week when he's not on Mackie and Judd. We appreciate uh, the bonus Sage this week, man. We'll catch up next week. See ya. That sounds good, guys. Hopefully we have the same coordinator and hopefully we have another victory. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens. Right. Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. Please. Continue on fifteen hundred ESPN. Do you feel like you're? I mean, you're past auditioning for this team, right? You, you don't have to go to spring training or a job. Do you? Apparently so. That's how I look at it. I ain't finished the year here. It's business. They did what they did. I do what I do. At the end of the day. I'm still going to keep playing hard. Still want to play in Minnesota. Still want to play beside my teammates. It's all that matters. Were you um... pissed? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I ain't sugarcoating nothing. Simple as that. Yeah. Surprise? Shock? Was I? Yes. Yeah, you had, I was. You had no inkling that. None. All right, well, let's, uh, before we get back to our regularly scheduled football-y conversations here on this Friday, football hour coming up in 20 minutes, the baseball winter meetings just finished up in Las Vegas where Dan Hayes, our buddy from The Athletic, probably didn't sleep. It's probably strung out. That's from, Lavelle. Yeah, that's not Dan. That that's Lavelle Emil the third who didn't sleep. Are you, uh, are you still in the same clothes you were in on Sunday? No, no. I uh, actually switched hotels and have the washer and dryer, so I have clean, fresh clothes. Uh, now, so I'm uh, I'm here for a, I'm a, on an eight nighter, uh, so I needed to make sure that there was a, a chance to change clothes at least once. So I, the second pair out today. Hold on a second. Did you say an eight nighter? Yeah, crazy. I know. Whoa. I'm uh, I'm establishing residency. Uh, <laughs> I, I think Not I'm six. 
<laughs> yeah. So, so what did you? We have a lot of reckless speculation, free agency questions to ask you and 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 whatnot. But what did you make of Byron Buxton being pretty open about the fact that he's not happy he wasn't called up in September? Um, what did, did do you do? You think the Twins? Do you think the Twins were warranted in playing the service time game and whatever other motives they had, or do you think Byron Buxton has a point? I think Byron Buxton has a point. I mean, look, you played him twelve games out of the last 14 days, and his wrist was hurt. If, if the, the whole point, and I, I get what they're saying, they wanted to send him home and get him healthy, um, but if the whole point was to get him healthy, why was he playing those meaningless games at AAA? And why, why did those games matter um, if he could have got hurt and made it worse? So I, I think, I, you know, I mean, and I know he alluded to that. Obviously, I didn't hear all the comments. Uh, some of them in Brenton. But he, he seemed to be upset about the health part of it. And, um, I, you know, it, it was – at the time, I didn't think it was a great look. Uh, you know, I have, have talked to them about it, the front office about it, because I thought it was one of the few things they did all year that was not smart. Um, I mean, obviously, some, some player acquisitions didn't work out the way they wanted to, but you, at the time, couldn't argue those moves were smart. Uh, but this one, you know, I, you, I thought immediately – I mean, I, I remember – all the writers being in disbelief about it because look, this is the guy you're trying to build around and, and you basically held him out and you're sending him to free agency a year later. And look, that's not necessarily the motivation. He said that I'm not a money guy. He's going to get paid no matter what, if he gets two this year and he gets four beers, So he's still going to get a healthy chunk of change. The problem is, is that if you really want to keep him around, you just really upset your center fielder and the guy you want to keep around him. I think that's going to play into his decision. If he, you know, if he gets good enough to get a good contract to go somewhere else, and, and he develops into what they think they are, they think he is. It, it's going to pay, and it's going to weigh on his mind at that time. I mean, that's the risk you ran with this move. So, Dan, do you think him being mad helps? I mean, do, yes, because he yes. says I'm pissed. So, if if that translates into I'm pissed, and, and I'm going to take the, that out on baseballs in a constructive way, that's fantastic. Do you think it works it that way? It is, and I think that uh, you've got a really genuinely caring manager in Rocco Baldelli who's going to go and try and do his part to, to mend this relationship brand new, and and really between between Buxton and, and Miguel Snow, those are the only two trips that Rocco Baldelli's going to make and reach out before spring training with these new guys, and that's part of it. I mean, there's no question that he's there to say, look, we're here to do this, but I also think he wants to let him know what it's going to be like, and I think that you know, Rocco Baldelli is going to be a guy that these players can lean on. Uh, he's not much older than them. I think that it's going to be a good mix for, for Buxton because I think he's going to have a, a manager that he can probably relate to and a guy also that maybe will help him feed. That, it, that chip is never a bad thing to have for a team. And, and, look, you know he's going to play. He likes playing. He wanted to be here. He worked really hard all last year to get back, and he couldn't. Uh, but, it you know, it, it didn't work out for him, and, now you're absolutely right. There's going to be a chip, and I think that can only help. Dan Hayes from The Athletic with us here talking twins, a little, uh, little hot stove action leading into the holidays, the winter meetings. There's been a lot of activity compared to last year, I feel like, or at least uh, it feels that way, and the two big names haven't even signed yet. But on the twins front, Dan Hayes, Nelson Cruz is the name that's been popping up all over the place the last few days. So we know that over the past five years, he is a 40 home run hitter on a regular basis. 
Uh, he's 38, but his numbers do not seem to reflect his age. What can you tell us about Nelson Cruz that maybe goes uh, beyond the numbers? What do you know about Nelson Cruz and the Twins? Just reading about him and the dedication to preparation, and you know, he's so down. To, it, it's very buttoned down. His preparation is very thorough, and I think that that's something that they really they like to have. They'd love to have him around Miguel Sano for a season, just so Miguel Sano sees. And I, I think it would have worked with Carlos Santana, too. Both guys, you know, Santana loves the play. He plays 160 games most seasons. Um, I think that they want guys like that. It doesn't. I, I don't think they're necessarily looking for a raw, raw top leader here. Uh, that's not what either guy is, but they're definitely considered leaders. They're beloved players in their clubhouse. Um, you know, I was asking about both guys, and obviously Santana's off the board. The Indians took him back, and that tells you how much value he has. And I was asking Philly riders, like, why is why are they trying to trade him? And it was strictly Reese Hoskins. Uh, Santana was thought of as a, a great player there, but also he's, he's a DH, and that's, that's something that's important uh, for why he's back in the AL, so he can split time and not be at first base every day. And, and obviously that would be the case with Cruz. You're going to see him at DH the whole time, and I know that limits them, but I think that they know that that bat, just even if he declines a little bit, is still going to be a good bat for the middle of the lineup, but at the same time, it's it's that presence around and, and having him there for a lot of young guys. Um, you know, they, they're going to need a lot of that. They need more of it. And they got even younger by getting Jonathan Scope there today. And, you know, CJ Crone, what, six, seven years younger than Joe Maurer was. So this, this is still, uh, there's some experience, but this is still a relatively inexperienced group. And, and having a guy like that around would be very valuable, I think. Where does a Bryce land in your mind? Man, I mean, it's, I, only because I spent so long there, I don't think it's going to be the White Sox, but everything would seem to indicate the White Sox have a really good shot at him. And it's so hard to fathom that because they've been so down for a while. And them doing that kind of move is, is not very characteristic of them. The last high-profile guy they signed was Albert Bell. You know, Jose Abreu, of course, but he was an international, and that's a little different. The last high-profile free agent they really got where they were the top of the market was Albert Bell in 96. So... But there's a lot of talk around this week that they have the money for it um, and that they intend to be the highest offer. Whether he'll take that or not, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Man, that would be that would be really interesting with this division. But the white I feel like the White Sox, we were just talking about this. The White Sox get really splashy, but it never works. It just right. does, like the, the moves blow up in their face. They had those banners, was it four or five years ago, those banners all around Chicago that said, we're all in, and then they lost 100 <laughs> games or something? <laughs> yeah, I was there the next year, but everybody talks about the one. The, the thing that they do have going for them is Eloy Jimenez will be up this season. Yon uh, Moncada has not been great, but he's still been a two-win player in his early in his career. Tim Anderson steady. you got a Abreu still there, so... If they were to add Bryce Harper to that lineup, you know, the pitching's got a little ways to go. And that's one thing people were talking about is if Harper signs there, it might be with the expectation that it's year three that, that they might win. Um, so you're, you're, you're at that spot. It, but it, it, it really was a slow week here in general. It picked up a little bit the last night, you know, with the Familia and Tanner Roark got traded and there were a few moves, but very generally slow. I thought it was encouraging that there was a relief signing uh, before Kimbrell came off the board. You know, we're familiar to do that and strike early um, and not for the, the market to be held up by Craig, Craig Kimbrell was probably a good sign that that won't be uh, a slow market. And I, 
I think the Twins will be involved. I don't think they're necessarily that much in on on uh, Cody Allen and, and Andrew Miller as was speculated. I, I, I think if they chose one of them, they'd like Allen more. Hmm. Uh, but he has so many miles on that arm. You know, there's a little bit of a potential, I think. You look at what he did last year, and it, it sort of reminded me of what Addison Reed did, uh, where their miles just start to catch up and the performance goes down. And you have to wonder how much they'd want him when they're going to have to you know, get Reed back to kind of full health this year. Yeah. Hey, great stuff, Dan. And uh, enjoy your uh, month-long residency yeah. in Las Vegas. <laughs> and people can go to theathletic.com to find you. <laughs> yes. Uh, thanks, guys. And hopefully they will uh, find me still after a couple more days. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> See ya. See ya, Dad. Eight days. That is amazing. It's a lot of time in Vegas. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. Um, let's talk briefly here about Luther Brookdale Toyota and the biggest sales event of the year going on. It's called Toyotathon, and it's 0% financing for 60 months on 2019 Highlanders, 2018 Tundras. It's 0.9% financing for 60 months on six different models, including the 18 Prius, two different versions, uh, the Yaris Hybrid, 2019 Camry, and also uh, the Corolla. The Camrys, man... Those things, I've been talking about those all week here. I've been a Camry Corolla guy since I started driving in, in 2001. When did I turn 16? 2001. And it used to be, I don't know, it used to be a nice, it was a durable vehicle. And I would say the exterior wasn't anything over the top, wasn't necessarily sporty looking. I mean, they have glossed up the exterior of the Camry. I love it. I love the sporty look. you got to go check out the new Camrys if you haven't. On the corner of 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard, it's Luther Brookdale Toyota. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. Whoa. On 1500 ESPN. 850. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yes. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Brought to you, this traffic update brought to you by Lucky's 13 Pubs. Five Twin Cities locations. Find them online at luckys13pub.com. 694 westbound near Brooklyn Center. We've got a crash that's causing uh, about a five-minute delay. It's between 252 and Highway 100. Also, 35W uh, northbound. We've got uh, that crash in St. Anthony still. That's uh, delaying things between County Road C and County Road D, causing a 10-minute delay. Gentlemen. Thank you, Manny. Football hour coming up. I saw Matthew Collar in the hallway trying to talk football with Derek Wetmore. Yeah, Derek Wetmore's had, like faces glazing Derek had over. Derek no idea. Derek's like, I'm a, ball, I'm a baseball guy. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking Derek about. Derek was being nice, but he had no clue. Uh, so we, we also will wrap with Racy in about an hour from now, per usual. Um, and it was pre-taped today. So you guys actually had a pre-taped, and I was I was live with Derek on YouTube and doing the Touch Em All podcast. So it's just you guys and Pat later today. The reason we had to tape it, however, is because Pat is consumed between three and six o'clock on another radio show. Right next door to us, on the other side of this wall, is My Talk One Hundred Seven One, the uh, mostly women-targeted entertainment talk station. Pat is filling in for Julia today with Lori on the Lori and Julia show. This is not a bit. This is Pat filling in on a women-targeted entertainment talk station. Can we pot it up and listen? Herrera mm-hmm. gown online, um, even though she had met Carolina Herrera okay. once and found her to be kind of mean. That might be the last network show I watched. Uh, Ron Swanson. Uh, Offerman is uh, the great Ron Swanson. That's one of the last ones I ever watched. Uh, with the laugh track, you mean? 
Yeah, well, the network, I don't watch much network TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was fantastic. <laughs> oh, Ron Swanson was mm, the greatest. Apparently, they have a book out together. And the man were, that hated his job was it, great. Is that with the name of mm-hmm. the TV show? No, what was it? Park, uh, Parks and Rec. Was it? Was it? This is amazing. Donnie's not paying any attention. Ron Swanson, Nick Offerman. Was it Park and Rec? Yes. Park and Rec. Yeah, yes. Park and Rec. So yeah. that was the, your last. Like she should know that. Yeah, so this is her. I feel like she should know that. <laughs> like Lori should know it? Lori should know that. That's the pop culture end of things. Here, I want to ask a question to Judd, who's notoriously terrible at knowing who his coworkers are. Oh. You've been here for seven years. Do you know which one's Julia and which one's Lori? Or what What percent confidence, if you saw one in the hallway and you had to pick well, Julia I think or I know, Lori? I think I know now because you just told me it's Lori and I no, saw no, her. No, but if you saw her in the hallway. I think I would know. <laughs> I think the one with, I think the blonde with glasses is Lori, right? Yeah. That's, yeah. And then the smaller blonde is Julia. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know it for a long time. All right, let's listen to some more Pat on, on my talking. Sonny's uh, not going to get a cut, right? No, Sonny's uh, no longer with us. No, he isn't. Listen, we'll be back. Well, they went to break. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patrick. Oh, it's great. Um, I think he likes doing that more than he likes doing anything sports content related. <laughs> just going on talking about pop culture. Just hot takes. Pop they culture. Were probably, I mean, we spent a segment last hour talking about Kanye and how he's kind of off his rocker. They they must have, too. You think they're talking about well, Kanye over there? That's why probably. we told Patrick, be prepared. Yeah. See, I could ask questions and get answers from you and Danny Cunningham. Mm-hmm. But Pat had to go in knowing because he's on the pop culture the, station. The answer to any feud involving Kanye is pick the side of the person against Kanye because Kanye yes. is a whack job. So in this case, pick Drake. Yeah, you got to be team. Swallow Drake, hard right? and team Drake. Team Drake. Yeah. <laughs> team Drake. There goes Royce right now. He just walked past. <laughs> he's ambling towards something. He is. <laughs> he must have another Diet Coke in the refrigerator here. Or he's going to pick up drinking for the first time in 40 years after <laughs> those two hours. No, if we didn't cause him to, nothing. Um, the football hour is set to commence here in just a couple of minutes. And Ma- the Mackie and Judd show will continue in a moment. So long, losers. On 1500. ESPN. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details.